there's way too many things that are hard about being a mom to say that that's it. But like, that is where the struggle with sleep occurs. <laughs> You're so freaking tired because am I a bad mom if? Do they know how to do this? Should I know how to do this? Why does it always seem to come so easy to everybody else? Well, hello and welcome to the New Mom Naturopath Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kaylin Galloway, and I'm here to help you navigate the roller coaster ride of motherhood and to help conquer the mental load of postpartum. My goal is to help you to stop panic Googling, finding judgy Facebook groups, and to start to become the mother you've always dreamed you could be. In this podcast, I aim to adopt the naturopathic principle of doceri, which means to teach. None of this information should be considered medical advice. As always, before you make any changes to your healthcare regimen, always consult your personal doctor. Oh my gosh, it's been a hot minute, but I am back. I'm actually back. I'm recording in my closet because I'm trying to escape my two-year-old who's playing with his with my husband. Um, but it's been crazy. It's been a crazy transition. I'm now currently working full-time. I'm out outside of the home, and so I've had to make a little bit of strategy changes, and because of that, my household-isms, um, all of the structures in my house had to be restructured And so I didn't really have the capacity to find time to record. And so right now I'm recording in my closet. Tomorrow I'm going to be recording um, my next week's episode in my car. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a little bit of chaos here. But alas, I am so excited to be back. And I'm so excited to be here talking to you all. And um, I logged onto my computer in the closet, set up my mic, started to hit like record and realized that my outline for today had actually been deleted out of my notes app, which is crazy. So I'm using the submission I did for ChatGPT to actually talk to you guys. So it's a little, I'm a little wonky. I'm out of practice, y'all. I'm out of practice. So today we're talking about infant sleep and specifically newborn sleep. And I really want to focus on the first three months of life. And I'm probably heavily going to focus on that first month because that first month to six, four to six weeks is like the hardest part of being a mom in that moment. I mean, I don't know if that's true. I feel like there's there's way too many things that are hard about being a mom to say that that's the thing. But like, that is where the struggle with sleep occurs. <laughs> You're so freaking tired because it's not as if you entered motherhood well-rested in no pain. <laughs> Your body's yourself. Like it, So like, there's just so many things that um, happen. <laughs> Last week... I have an almost three-year-old. He'll be three in May. And I got a couple of nights he was sick and I got like one hour of sleep, three hours of sleep, a couple of nights. And I was just like, oh my God, I don't remember it being this hard to be a human on this little sleep. I don't remember this feeling because you black it out. You definitely black it out. And it's always way easier than in your mind in hindsight it's like oh that was that was hard but I loved it I loved the snuggles but the when you're in it and you're snuggling it's like so difficult to actually get anything done um but what I found over the first three months of life was that if I learned about infant development especially infant sleep development it helped me create systems that work for our family to um create strategies. Now, studies in sleep are not necessarily wide-ranging. There's not a lot of sleep studies out there for infants. There's, there's quite, I mean, there was more than I thought there would be, but 
it's just very difficult to study that population. You can't do, um, you can't do a test on infant sleep. You just have to do collected data and surveys. So it's the inaccuracy is high. The bias is high. You know, people want to report positive things or they want to report all the negative things. Like people don't necessarily have this middle line of what the actual truth is. So it's really difficult to get data on this topic. Nevertheless, I researched it for you so you don't have to. Um, you know, it's also something to note is that this population in general, pregnant women, newborns, postpartum mothers, they're a very protected class when it comes to research. So research is only done in a way that would produce safe effects. And what we know as safe, and I put that in air quotes, is just what we already know in the population or what we already practice. So anything that would be a, a different thing kind of going against the norm that we don't know is safe is probably never going to be approved for research. And so sometimes learning about what could be helpful or what is helpful is very difficult to do because it has to go through like years and years of studying. Um, but what I really wanted to break down first is that newborns have a very specific change and transition from um, the womb to becoming more like an adult sleep pattern. A lot of times people look at babies and think that, we hear that babies sleep very peacefully, soundly, that they're not, um, like everyone's like, I slept like a baby. It's like, what does that even mean? They don't sleep very well. Um, but in the beginning of life, so for the first month, there's actually two phases to newborn or neonatal sleep that are very important to know. The first one is active and the second one is quiet. Now, technically there's an indeterminate, which is where they're like going from one phase to another, but y'all, we're not going to get that technical. Um, the difference between active and quiet is kind of what they're saying. You know, it's like kind of, it kind of makes sense. Active phase, they're actually moving. A lot of their movements are very abrupt. They look like they're waking up. They look like they're kind of, their eyes are twitching. Their, um, all their muscles are twitching. This is really actually thought to be where the central nervous system development occurs is in active sleep phase. But the thing is what, um, what actually happens during this phase if they measure through an EEG, which is a, a device that would show what electric, electrical activity is happening in the brain. What really happens is the voltage goes down in this area. So you have this, you have a, um, you have a, a frequency of movement because they're doing a lot of movement, but the voltage goes down. So it's not as sharp of a change, which I think is interesting. Like that seems very paradoxical to me, but fun fact, um, there's a lot that needs to happen in this phase. And then one of, one of the biggest problems is that most people think that the baby is waking up. So they're going to go soothe them. They're going to wake them up by like touching them or, uh, picking them up because they think that they're not sleeping. But the reality is in this phase, your child is sleeping. They're just being very, they're just moving a lot and you just kind of have to let them be. That's also kind of why in that first month or six weeks, swaddling is really done because this active phase can wake them, they can wake themselves up by jolting. So a lot of times that happens. The other reason is the moral reflex. So like when they start to feel like they're when they splay, when they start to feel like they're falling backwards, they'll splay their hands out and that jolt will wake them up as well. Um, the second phase in neonatal sleep is quiet. And this is where you have slower time, more times between each pulse of electricity. There's the waves of their EEG is slower. So they're not moving as much. 
Um, and this part of sleep in the newborn phase is really important for hormonal shifts. And I know what you're thinking. Hormonal shifts, what? They're an infant. What the heck? I'm not talking about estrogen, progesterone, or testosterone. What I'm talking about is hormones like human growth hormone and, um, and thyroid stimulating hormone and on things that actually regulate growth in the body and metabolism. And so this is really important. And it's also the time where their body does a lot of pruning of their brain so that they're actually learning and developing because babies end up having so many neurons when they're born and then your body kind of morphs and, and decides which ones to keep by the experiences that they have. Um, we need both of these phases. Now about two months, so this is four to four to eight weeks, they're going to stop having those abrupt, quiet, active phases, and it's going to go more towards REM sleep, which is active eye, uh, uh, rapid eye movement. And that's an, an adult pattern that actually happens in adult sleep. And then the quiet sleep is going to come to non-REM sleep, where they're just, it's a lot more quiet. The transition is very, um, it's very slow. Um, and by three months, their sleep cycle is going to look very similar to that of a, an adult, but their wake patterns are still going to be waking up a lot. So in the first month, an infant's going to sleep for 15 hours a day. And in the second month, an infant wants to sleep 14 to 15 hours a day. And in the third month, they're going to do 14 to 15 hours a day. Now that doesn't mean that's all in one go. Obviously this is going to be in divided chunks throughout the day. And really that first month, the sleep-wake cycle is going to be only about 60 minutes. So they're going to go from active to quiet, and, and that sleep cycle will happen in about an hour. Um, maybe less, because we know when they cluster feed, they ain't sleeping a whole hour. That's just not a thing. But at two to four months, um, and this is different transition for every child, you know, there's a standard time frame, but it'll slowly go from a 60-minute wait sleep cycle to a 90 minute sleep cycle. Um, and that is really where you want to make sure that you're combining those sleep cycles at night, um, and making sure that we're supporting what would be real sleep at night and not having, cause like the time that you could really have a child rustle and get up when they don't need to get up is right during the end of that sleep cycle and in the, to the transition of the next one. So you want to give them the ability to transition to the next one very smoothly. Um, by 12 months, you're really going to start looking, their sleep is going to like absolutely look like an adult, um, or should start to look like an adult completely. So what actually increases the amount of wake windows where they're actually awake in the research? Well, I have a feeling some people are not going to like this. <laughs> the first one, everyone will be, understand understanding what is day and night um, and when they should connect to sleep cycles. So making sure that they're getting stimulus from outside. So when it's daytime or it's not nap time, you're going to give them bright lights. You're going to give them sun exposure. You're going to give them noise exposure. You're going to have more of a outgoing attitude with yourself. You're going to be brighter and as bright as you can be on no sleep. But there's a definite distinction about how you treat them and act in the daytime versus how you act at night. The second factor is co-sleeping. Um, infants that actually co-sleep in the same room have a decrease in nighttime awakenings. But a lot of the research, and I did, looked at like four different countries that they um, studied this in. One was England. One was um, one was Italy, and then one was Brazil. In that 
infants that sleep in the same bed as their child, which is also frowned upon by a lot of societies, um, a lot of um, pediatric societies, infants that sleep with their mom in their same bed have more nighttime wakings than those that sleep in their own cot. Now, I don't know how true that is in real life, but that was what the research had divulged. And I will say something about this is that there is a definite uh, confirmation bias that goes along with that because in the research studies, a lot of times people, a lot of times we look for data that supports the conclusions we already have. And overwhelmingly, research has supported the idea that infants should never sleep in the same bed as their mom and dad. And and there is an increased risk for having um, instances of, of infant death, whether that be SIDS-related or non-SIDS-related deaths that happen as a result of li- uh, sleeping in the same bed. Um, but I feel like there's also a very difficult conversation that has to be had about how you're gonna, there's going to be a time where your infant's going to be in bed with you. It's kind of inevitable in that time frame, in that world. You're tired, you're exhausted, you don't know what you're doing, and you feel overwhelmed. That's exactly what's going on. And so it's super important that we teach people safe co-sleeping practices, and that includes the Safe Sleep 7. Um, If you are interested, I can do a whole podcast on that one, but I would rather have someone be aware of how to safely do something that is not as safe than to just shun them for not following what is almost, in some ways, impractical. It's okay if your baby is struggling to sleep on their own. They're not really supposed to. Um, The other thing is breastfeeding had a mixed correlation. A lot of research studies actually showed that infants that breastfeed had more increase in, um, had an increase in awakenings, but then quite a few also had that they didn't. So who knows? Um, and then I found this one research study really fascinating is that maternal emotional availability. So how expressive mom was, how present mom was for that nighttime window, a few hours before bed, how present mom was, which is also the hardest time. It's like the witch, it's called the witching hour. It's where babies scream all day long, um, or the whole time. And they, they are very, um, difficult to soothe in that that window. But mothers who were emotionally available during that time and had the capacity to be there for their child, they actually studied these infants and saw that they had a decreased cortisol level at night, which if you know anything about stress regulation, cortisol has to be low at night for you to be able to sleep appropriately and not have anxiety. So that's actually really, I found that really interesting. And then last but not least, what I really wanted to focus on too is having a realistic picture of what neonatal and newborn sleep looks like. Most of the time, that 60-minute window is probably when we're going to have some sort of rustling, some sort of wake up, and you're not going to have a huge amount of combined sleep for most infants. And in fact, most pediatric organizations around the world have the statistic of that a full night's sleep for a newborn would be five hours. And this should only be done after we've established that they've regained their birth weight, that they're not in danger, they're actually having enough hydration, and they're having full amounts of, of uh, dirty diapers. So, you know, there are reasons why you would not want that full five hours together, but it is not your standard eight hours of sleep. And so make sure that you're giving yourself a realistic expectation of what you really want to do. Um, I really hope this was helpful. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Go ahead and give me a comment on Instagram if it was. And also, I really hope 
to see you next time. I am going to start doing only one day a week, uh, one day a week podcast until I can get myself consistent enough. So Mondays are going to be release dates, just letting you know moving forward because right now my world is chaos and I really, really, really hope to get back to two a week because I find it really fun. But right now this is where we're at. So I will see you next Monday and I really can't wait to talk to you more. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the New Mom Naturopath Podcast. I really hope you learned something and grew during this episode. If you could leave me a podcast review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be so helpful for me. If you have any questions, email me at admin at the new mom naturopath.com.